What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Andrea Darlis in for John Howell here on the Big 89 WLS. Thanks for being with me. So happy to have my friend Justin Kaufman from Axios on the line with us today. Hi, Justin. Hi, Andrea. How are you? I am doing great, thank you. You know, I start my day every day, and this is no lie. Wake up, check the time, check the weather, go to Axios. You have the best <laughs> newsletter. I'm telling you, it, it's one-stop shopping for all the day's news, whether, whether it's the city, the state, uh, the region. You and Monica do such a wonderful job with Axios. Thank you so much. Thanks for saying that. We appreciate it. So sometimes it's like we love doing it, and sometimes it can be thankless. So it's always nice to hear a, an esteemed colleague like yourself say something nice. Well, you know what, Justin? It. You can tell you guys enjoy it. I mean, you can tell yeah. you're in the neighborhoods. You know, you're out there. You're getting the stories, and, and it really shows. So, again, you guys do a great job. I know this is your Super Bowl now, uh, so I know you're not getting much sleep now with this runoff, but uh, just three weeks away now, three weeks at a day, and a new poll from WLS out over the weekend shows this race is really tightening between Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson. Yeah, you know, it really is a tremendous. And, you know, people forget, you know, on election night, they, they, they said, okay, here are the numbers. Here's who won. That's going to be Paul Vallis, going to be Brandon Johnson. But there's been all these write-in, or, you know, the mail-in votes and, and, and write-in votes that have been counted. And you look at the vote counts now as, as the election is over. It was a lot closer than it was on election night. Uh, Chicago, you know, chose Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson over a, a pretty uh, substantial field of candidates. But again, I say, yeah, you're, you're talking about two different, uh, I mean, really diametrically opposed candidates. You've got a candidate that is uh, that is fight, that's fighting tooth and nail to say that they're a moderate instead of being right of center in a city like Chicago. Right. Paul Vallis. And you have another that is fighting to say that they're not, not you know, they're not uh, left wing extremist and Brandon Johnson, uh, the progressive from the West side. I, I mean, it's, it is really interesting to look at the poll numbers because you'll have both of these um, fringes that'll come out for Vallis in one way and, and Johnson in another. And you're going to have this middle ground, this, this interesting, you know, undecided vote in Chicago that is going to look at all of the what's happening. And they're going to be the deciding factor on whether they go with uh, Brandon Johnson or Paul Vallis. Yeah. So Bishop Larry Trotter over the weekend, no surprise, Southside pastor endorsed Brandon Johnson. And then on mm-hmm. the flip side, no surprise, Southside alderman Matt O'Shea in a very uh, police and fire and city worker friendly ward the 19th. Um, and Ray Lopez uh, yeah. are both supporting Paul Vallis. Surprised by any of that? I'm not. I mean, you're going to see, I think uh, you're going to see both candidates try out every single person who says they're going to vote for them. <laughs> it's going to be press sure. release after press release about, you know, people that we knew were going to go. I do think it's interesting. I wrote about it this morning, Ken Griffin, who came out last week uh, on, a, on a Bloomberg News uh, you know, interview saying he likes Paul Vallis. He wants Paul Vallis to be the mayor of Chicago. His his, his Citadel and, and obviously the uh, the... The, the company's spokesperson said they're not giving any money to Paul Vallis. They just want him to be mayor. But that to me is interesting because Paul Vallis is, is running a campaign where he has to defend choices he's made in the past that make him 
uh, more associated with Republicans than Democrats. Right. And in Chicago, this is a Democratic city and two leaders that are fighting to be the mayor of a Democratic city. And so there have been a lot of questions about uh, his his chops, essentially. And 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 Paul Vallis continues to say he is a Democrat and, and Brandon Johnson pushes back on that assertion. We saw that in some of the debates. But the but having Ken Griffin come out and say you're going, you know, I want Paul Vallis to be mayor uh, after he spent as much money as he did, you know, running a, a, a slate of candidates in the GOP primary uh, says a lot about, you know, where Paul Vallis is at when he's trying to convince voters that he's more middle than he is right. And that I think that's going to be an interesting play, because uh, when more of the downtown business interests come out for Paul Vallis, which they they will, it gives Brandon Johnson, and the Chicago Teachers Union, a little ammunition to say, these are these fat cats down, down, you know, downtown. They want to take over city. They want to take over the government. You know, we're of the people and vice versa, meaning that Paul Vallis can really paint Brandon Johnson as somebody who's an extremist in the Chicago Teachers Union. They want to hijack the schools. They want it their way or no way. So, I mean, you're seeing this kind of play out. It's, it's a very interesting way that these endorsements actually mean something beyond the, the unsurprising ones that we get from the aldermen. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. I, I, I think you're right on uh, right on the money with that. And and Ken Griffin, now, like, don't forget, though, too, while he's supporting Vallis, he's always been, until he decided to move his business out of Chicago, yeah. a big supporter. I mean, he gave to, he gives to charity. Yep. He gives to um, Pastor Brooks. He gives to CPS he's made donations to. So his money... Yep actually did go to help Chicago schools yep. and, and charitable organizations and, you know, even religious organizations too. So I, I know many on, you know, many Johnson supporters are seeing that as, you know, painting Vallis or painting him as, as more leaning to the right. But, you know, and what's, what's crazy about this too, Justin, is that, you know, public safety seems to be uh, on the minds of everyone. You know, that clearly uh, I think is what why Mayor Lightfoot isn't, you know, in this runoff and why she lost her position. So I don't think either candidate at this point saying, hey, I'm for public safety would be a bad thing. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And, you know, going back to Ken Griffin. Yeah, absolutely. He's been a steward. He's he's been a a charitable uh, force in Chicago in the last couple of years politically. And, you know, and I also want to say he uh, has given money to Democrat mayors in the past. Yeah. He's given to Rahm Emanuel and Mayor Daley before him. But, you know, this was before he put up a slate of candidates, GOP candidates, to you know try to unseat a very popular governor in Chicago, and J.B. Pritzker, and also after he publicly flogged the mayor of Chicago and Lori Lightfoot, saying he's leaving, taking his headquarters out of Chicago because of issues like violence and and the way that the city's being run. So th- those are different scenarios now. Because and and what Ken Griffin has done for the city, charitable, can be you know divided on what he wants politically. But I do think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that. Right now, public safety is still the number one concern and the number one issue on voters' minds in Chicago. And there's a great piece by Alden Lowry in the Chicago Sun-Times essentially pointing out, you know, the uh, where we are with violence in this in this city and why there's so much consternation around it. Meaning you, you, you look at the numbers and you say, oh, geez, you know, they've got all this violence and this is really kind of this is a there's a moment in Chicago. And we need new leadership. Yet. A lot of what Lori Lightfoot is doing is actually working. You saw the Chicago Tribune today say that homicide numbers are down from last year, which were, which were, you know, uh, I don't know how you compare them to pre-pandemic levels. You can't compare right. anything to pre-pandemic now. Right. But, it's like, but the idea, I mean, is down. And then the same with all this piece that was in the Sun-Times pointed out saying a lot of this crime that you're seeing and you see these data points are, are happening in um, black and brown communities. 
Yet it's white people who are actually coming out saying they're sick of the violence and they want public safety. So it is interesting to see how that kind of dichotomy is playing out when you look at the data and, and, and what's behind some of this narrative about the public safety push from voters in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. And it, what's going to be interesting, too, is to see when Chewy Garcia and Willie Wilson, mm-hmm. you know, throw their endorsements out there. Because I think Willie, that's going to... Willie's for Vallis. He Willie's for, for Vallis. Willie's for Vallis. Now out. Chewy. No, we're waiting for him. Chewy will be the one that's really... And, and, and frankly, I think it's going to be interesting to see if Mayor Lightfoot gets involved. Yeah. I think that she, she has a lot of power. She, she, she pulls 90,000 votes. And you also, you know, have a governor that has not uh, made up his mind yet on what he wants to do. And, you know, there could have been a a case for him to support Paul Vallis, but it might be difficult for him to do so when his rival and Ken Griffin... And others are supporting him before he jumps in the race. Yeah, I don't. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. I wonder. I don't see Pritzker jumping into the fray. Do you? Or maybe he'll surprise us. Maybe he will. Yeah. Throw his endorsement you know, it's behind hard someone. To say, you know, they don't like the. They, I, I'm, let's be honest. They don't like the back losers. Right. Andrea, so you're not going to. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. get a ton of. Can I yeah. interrupt you and Justin for just a second? Yeah, please, Kim. Um, I was just cutting up a press conference from Pritzker, who said he has met with both of the candidates, but he has no um, intentions of endorsing either candidate there you go there you go yeah thank you Kim. there you go that thanks kim i mean that there you go i mean that as we were just saying i'm not sure he's going to get involved in a race that he doesn't think he can win and also you know governor pritzker in the past you know he he did endorse for aldermanic candidates he endorsed and surprisingly for some some candidates like uh progressive candidates um carlos ramirez rosa comes to mind yeah uh, a couple of others that got the governor's endorsement so it's interesting that he's going to sit this one out what that means you know obviously um Governor Pritzker also has kind of like the de facto leader of the state Democratic Party and their funds and that, and that office. It'll be interesting to see if that also means that that office uh, kind of sits out the mayoral election here coming up on April 4th. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, Justin. He's he's going to have to work with one of them, you know, and, and with the race this close, you don't want to back the person who's not going to win. Hang on the line, Justin. I want to talk to you about uh, voting, too. Great article that you guys wrote today in Axios about who voted in this past election. I think you... Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? Reality remains reality, no matter how hard you try to ignore it. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Every so often, and by every so often, I mean literally every 27 seconds when the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Might be surprised. We continue our conversation with Justin Kaufman from Axios. With Election Day just three weeks away, seems to be neck and neck now between Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis. Justin, you guys did a great story today. Who voted? And I found this fascinating. Yeah, it was really just about turnout by age. You you know, just like in radio, we do demographics. They do demographics for voting as well. But uh, as you, you know, as you expect, uh, usually uh, a 45 to 54 or 55 to 64, those are going to be your sweet spots in terms of the people who are voting the most. And, and what's interesting is we compared it to 2019. In 2023, although that continued to be the case, it declined. Almost uh, 45 to 54 lost, uh, the mo- I think, like 10,000 10, less people in that demographic voted. Yeah. In, the, in, in February than they did in 2019. And uh, the same for 55 to 64. They lost uh, uh, 110, almost 111,000 people in 2019 voted. And this year it was 99,000. The, 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 the demographics that saw increases, 
65 to 74. And then the number one increase was 75 plus. Wow. So you had 58,000 people in 2019 vote. Uh, and in 2023, 66,000. The the other numbers are, you know, you, you see 35 to 50 or 44 down, 25 to 34. 18 to 24 in Chicago is abysmal. Abysmal. You're talking about 18.6 thousand people voted in 2019. Only 16,000 voted in 2020. My God, that's less than half of the people just from the next aid group up, 25, 34. <laughs> I mean, it's nuts. It's... I. I mean, you think about, you know, people at 18 getting an opportunity to vote in their first election, like excited regards, things like that. Oh, sure. But to, to, see, to see that range, six-year range from 18 to 24, just not caring about the future of the direction of the city of Chicago. Boy. It's a little bit upsetting, but, you know, I think it's made up for by the fact that their grandparents at 75 plus are, are picking up the slack. Oh, big time. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> as, as you summed up beautifully, folks 45 and up were... Yep. Pretty, they're pretty much going to decide who runs the city for the next four years. Yeah, and it's interesting to see who's voting. I mean, 75-plus are voting, and that might have something to do with public safety. It obviously, has something to do with property taxes and, and, and obviously the inflation and quality of life. So there, there are some things that are more important to take to a 75-year-old than a 24-year-old, as we see in the, the, the breakdown of these demographics. Well, get out there and vote. April 4th, uh, I just got the, um, the email again because I had to vote by mail. I didn't think I was going to be in town, but I actually was. So I voted by mail. It's easy. It's quick. you got to re-register. I mean, there's really there's no excuse for not voting. It's the easier than it's ever been. And it's amazing how many people I had not the numbers in front of me, but how many people voted by mail. Uh, that was something that I think we'll look back. And, you know, this is the first election in which that was really a mainstream thing. In 2019, you could do that, but it was pre-pandemic. So people just weren't doing it. You still went to your polling place uh, or early voted. This time around, you saw, you know, so many people more comfortable with voting by mail. It's just hundreds of thousands of votes. So uh, a big, a big uh, chunk of what the, what the final vote tally was, was vote by mail. So let's uh, give us a little preview of what you're working on tomorrow. You're going to be working on the ComEd trial yeah. for tomorrow's Here piece. Here we go. I mean, really, yeah. one of the, the, the biggest corruption trials and, and you know, a, a group of trials that will be coming up in, in Illinois state history. And that includes Blagojevich. <laughs> it's like a lot of things. But <laughs> but what we're seeing is the, the two ComEd executives and uh, lobbyist Jay Doherty and uh, longtime lobbyist uh, Madigan confidant Mike McLean are going on trial uh, for cons- conspiracy to bribe. Essentially, a creating a scheme. The the prosecution, the federal government, uh, says they were creating a scheme to give Madigan allies jobs, jobs, uh, board appointments at the uh, perks, money, whatever it was to to get sway from from the speaker at the time, Speaker Madigan. That's the allegation. The defendants say that's just politics. We were just doing politics, and you know you're trying to criminalize politics, and we've seen that before. And in, in the cases of Blagojevich, even Trump uh, uses that defense a lot as well. So we'll see, you know, what that means. But the trial starts tomorrow and it's uh, expected to last two months. Boy, and that that was the first chink in the armor to to the whole Mike Madigan collapse, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And the feds have a ton of evidence that they got from wiretaps and recordings and emails from Mike McLean's computer that they seized a couple of years back. So it really started all of this stuff started. Uh, from the charges that are levied against these four. So they go first. We'll see what happens in these two months. They're all pleading not guilty. Uh, and that will set the table for what will be a Madigan trial sometime in 2024. But they keep pushing it back. So who yeah. knows? But that, but that's My God. Idea. What's the reason for that? Why, do, why is, does that keep getting pushed back? 
The, the, he's got good lawyers. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, Ed Burke is the same way. They, they're able to get continuations, delays, obviously, uh, pandemic uh, precautions. You know, uh, I, I think that what's really interesting, I'll leave you on this, the, what I think is fascinating is that this is the first time that these defendants tomorrow will be in public in court. Meaning up to this point. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. so why I'm right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What women binge wherever you listen they've all done zooms and you right. know, different ways to they've never actually been in front of the judge so it'd be interesting to see you know as as they kind of get back this would be the first time the four of them are in front and in, in a courtroom uh in person uh since they were indicted in 2020 is this one of the first trials you're covering post-covid uh, it's interesting you know i don't know i, I don't know exactly what the protocols are going to be I yeah mean, yeah I, I, when's the last time you went down to a trial that's, to, to that's what i was trying to think i it was probably yeah. blagojevich when we were in the courtroom for yeah, that yeah right exactly and and or I guess, one of the aldermen <laughs> yeah jesse smollett probably had oh a, sure yeah, yeah. COVID, so, and r kelly like those those so so some of the great court reporters at the Tribune. sometimes i mean i we are blessed in Chicago to have both papers still putting effort and resources into covering the courts. Uh, both John and Jason at, at the Tribune and the Sun-Times are doing great work. I mean, they, they put the resources in. So it's, so those kind of cases always get covered. So I'm, I, I get the popcorn ready because uh, both of those papers are going to cover this trial uh, with, with intensity. Well, I look forward to your reporting and reading your stories. Justin, tell everybody where they can go to subscribe to the Axios Chicago newsletter. Yeah, you can just go to axios.com slash Chicago. You can sign up for the newsletter. We also have all our stuff on the website there, and you can uh, become uh, part of the Axios Nation here in Chicago. Well, I'm proud to be a member, so thank you, Justin. <laughs> you are the best, and uh, keep on keeping on. Good luck covering the trial. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. You bet. That's the great Justin Kaufman. Again, it's Axios Chicago. Sign up for the newsletter. I highly, highly encourage you to do so. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 